0: yet another episode of the hitchcock minute each week movies by minutes hosts examine the 1959 alfred hitchcock directed thriller north by northwest one minute of screen time per episode i'm dave forsyth and i'm todd lucas and for the last time on this podcast uh, we are the hosts of edge of tomorrow minute which covers the movie with the Tom Cruise and and uh, the Emily Blunt and I don't know who else is in that movie. Bill the, Paxton. Bill in Paxton, movie?
1: yeah. And a, a few other people who are not as well known to me yet, but they'll be way, way more well known shortly. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we will talk
0: about them quite a bit. So, uh, But anyway, we do a, a movie by minute look at that film eventually. So uh, go to the Facebooks and, and find Edge of Tomorrow Minute. There's a group, join it. We'll tell you all about it when it comes out, if you're so inclined. So, uh, But today, and only today, not ever again, (laughs) we're going to talk about minute 70 of North by Northwest. All right. Which opens with Thornhill. He's clearing some dust from his eyes and closes in on some kind of weird suited guy standoff.
1: Okay then. So, <laughs> yeah. when well, yeah. he's he's clearing dust from his eyes, and his uh, his hair is just completely blown to crap. Briefly, uh, if if you just wait a second, you realize that's just a, yeah a momentary situation. Yeah, as soon as, as the he, camera's off him, yeah, I'm sure it just springs back to its normal, beautiful self. Yeah, it's um,
0: it's like memory foam only hair. Memory hair. <laughs> yeah, dear Lord, yeah, no. memory hair. Yeah. I have memories of hair as well. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Um, (laughs) as Thornhill reorients himself, something in the distance catches his eye and we switch to the POV again. We get Thornhill looking at something and then what Thornhill's looking at. And we can see the dirt crossroad that, that crosses Highway 41. We get it from a slightly different perspective than we've seen it before. It's Still a wide shot, but it's it's zoomed in maybe a little more closely than than the straight POV shots we've seen of Thornhill
1: before, or from Thornhill's perspective before. I think it's because he's looked slightly to his right compared to the last two times he's looked across the street. <laughs> that could be,
0: and he's squinting a little more, so it's 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 like a it's like a a zoom in right. It's his teleco- eye telescopic lens is engaging. Yeah, yeah. It's his go go Thornhill zoom. Binoculars or something. Anyway, you stole my gag, dude. No, <laughs> oh, sorry. So he's looking in, and it's still pretty much mm-hmm. to us just a, a row of empty fields for for this first half second. It looks like these, you know, these fields that look like they had been growing something earlier in the year, but whatever it was, it's it's been harvested and sent away to market quite some time ago. <laughs> There's strangely still one row, one block of corn hanging out there, and it's unharvested, and it looks dry and desiccated and
1: yeah, they're gonna sell it for crafting if it was these this day and age i have <laughs> sure. no idea what they're gonna sell it for back then popcorn maybe it's a shipment to michael's you know? do they do they just let it dry on the on the stock and then they make popcorn that way uh, no no i i think this is only
0: here to disguise the oncoming car uh for a few seconds
1: it's an awful that's, lot of corn though when they pan across, and you, know, you see yeah. where the the edge of it in the corner and it just goes down off frame they they would have had to have planned ahead of time, told someone, Hey, don't harvest that, we'll pay for all of it. I don't know, that's just crazy,
0: yeah, and I'm not really sure what purpose it would serve to hide the car from view for that last second, but
1: and that's a nice reveal, you know yeah. he's obviously hearing something that would is right. just at the edge of our hearing on on the soundtrack, yeah, but uh you know. He knows where it's coming from right away, because there's no other place to hide a noise. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: But we do eventually, you know, within like a second or so, see um what looks like a smaller blue car emerge from behind the the wall of corn and it's driving what I would what looks like parallel to Highway 41, right? Like it's it's heading north. You sort of see the broad driver's side of the car. It's too far away to determine any more details about it. You can't really see. Who's in it, or what kind of car it really is? Even at this point, you just kind of catch that glint of blue. We cut back to Thornhill reacting to the to this new piece of traffic that's coming. He's interested, but he's he's already been burned three times in the past ninety seconds, and uh, he doesn't want to ruin his well-practiced nonchalance again for no good reason. So, you know, it, and and in fact, it doesn't even really look like the car is headed his way. It, it sort of looks like it's it's heading away, but he does blink hard a couple times at it maybe just to clear his eyes but uh, i think he's interested in what's going on but again you know he's he's trying to play it cool
1: yeah he's just too cool for this stuff anymore he's not gonna react this time
0: right yeah yeah we cut back to the car and oh my god it makes a 90 degree turn and it's coming right towards him but it's coming down that dirt road towards highway 41 and the car (laughs) it's uh it's it's bouncing and and you know, swerving all over the place and kicking up quite a dust storm. As we kick back to Thornhill, he he makes another face and he's sort of widening his eyes and turning his head down a little bit. I don't know. He's like, he's
1: increasing intensity. I think he's trying to shade his uh, eyes a little better with his eyebrow ridge. And (laughs) so he can see through the glare coming off the windshield. Yeah. He's trying to see inside the car really hard. Because if he were to take his hand out
0: of his pocket and you know do the traditional sort of you know hand over the eyebrows to
1: shade your eyes kind of thing, that would
0: that would totally ruin it. He he would look
1: he would look too needy. Yeah, and, and besides, what, what self respecting marquee actor like him would cover any part of his face just for that? <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Yeah, uh, true. But we do see him watching more intently because. The car seems to be coming towards him more deliberately, right? Like it, it This isn't just some car passing by on, on a on on a very large well, um,
1: not that large, but on a public highway, a US highway or an Indiana right. State Highway. Now well, they were everyone else up till now has been barreling down at five over, so these guys are just kind of tooling up to the to the intersection. Yeah.
0: And it's coming right at him. So So I think maybe that's what raises his suspicion a little bit that it, you know, it it seems to be there's a a better chance that this could be something interesting because it's not a high speed, just close encounter. It's, it's something that's happening right in front of him. We get another reaction shot from Thornhill showing a little more interest. He sort of takes a step back to get a better look, maybe to kind of see what, it's going on in the windows and you get a little bite of his bottom lip. Again, I think just kind of showing concentration and I don't know, even though the past few minutes have trained him not to get his hopes up, I think we can sort of feel his expectations mounting. And then we cut back to the car and, and we can see that it is a blue metallic sedan. It's a, an early 1940s Chevrolet of some sort. And I was thinking about it, th- that this you know, this is an older car. It looks to be in pretty good shape, but to us modern viewers, the you know, the, like a mid fifties Caddy and or Mercury and a early forties Chevy kind of all look like old older cars. Where we lumped them in, but people of of this time seeing you know uh, people of nineteen fifty nine seeing a fifty four that's going to be a very modern car, and a I think a a forty a nineteen forty car is going to be an old car to them. So that I think that projects kind of a different tone.
1: It it does. I mean, even for me, I, I saw that car come around. I don't, didn't know what kind of car it was or what year yeah. it might've been, but I was like, Oh, this is definitely older. That, that kind of rose my suspic- suspicions a bit. I'm like, well, you know, this, this is going to be the interesting one because it's the other yeah. vehicles have all been, you know, relatively new. You well, know and- I mean? Even the bus he came down the road on was newish.
0: Yeah. And even the way this one approaches, like it, it comes, comes obviously from a different place, but down this dirt road where it's it's bouncy and and bumpy, and it's not zipping along as fast as everything else was on this you know nicely paved road, and it makes a different noise, right? Like it makes, it makes like an older sort of jalopyish kind <laughs> yes, of engine, jalopy. Note, you
1: know. I like that word. Very good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it seems to be running just fine, but it has that almost kind of. Hollow, low idle sound to it. You know, like it's operating inside of a big tin can because essentially it was. But the car the, the car pulls up to the intersection and the, the camera pans right a little bit as the, the car kind of fills in the frame. This move of the camera sort of keeps the car in the middle of the frame, provides almost like a zoom effect, even though the there is no change in the in the the lens zoom. It, it it's we sort of see it in a static shot, but as the car gets bigger because it's getting closer and taking up more of the frame, it, it pans a little bit. And it is an interesting effect of like a, I don't want to call it a poor man's zoom because obviously, you know, <laughs> Hitchcock could afford a zoom if he wanted.
1: No, to. it's like an expensive man's pan and scan almost. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: No, that, that could be. Yeah. Yes. Right. It it does have that sort of move to it. Not quite as shaky, but it was it was an interesting move, I thought. But Yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> But yeah, right. Right now, we we get the passenger door open before the, before the car even comes to a full stop. When a gentleman in a hat gets out, we see Thornhill looking intently at the car. Takes his hands about halfway out of his pockets, so we're on hand watch. You know, we're at about fifty. No, I'd say we're at about seventy percent pocketless at this point. Right. He continues to stare intently, and then he steps to his left a little bit to maybe get a better look. I don't know. If he's looking around something it could be just glare from the from the the car that he's trying to sort of get a d- better perspective on um but he does he straightens up a little bit more as to maybe make maybe make himself more recognizable more obvious that he's there like him yeah. like a, hey look, look at me over here kind of move but
1: he's definitely being obvious about it yeah because you know, as as these seconds tick on, he 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 seems more and more—I don't know—aggressively uh, offensive with his glaring. Yes, yeah. Like maybe he's starting to get angry now.
0: when it, you know, the way that that car approached and being where he is, being the only person where he is, the odds that they didn't see him are are pretty damn low. But I don't know. But uh, yeah, the the man in the hat hops out of the car and closes the door as as we cut back to it, we see him hop out. Um he sort of leans down into the open window and says something to the driver and gives him a, a finger gun while he, you know he's like holding onto the, the car door with his right hand and gives a finger gun with his left hand and he steps starts heading towards the intersection and the, the car starts to to back away and the man in the hat kind of gives a little low-key wave. Um the car does what, like a three-point turn back into the field, essentially.
1: To, right. To turn around. So, yeah, that's that's just bringing me back. That's, these are definitely farm folk, yeah. or at least farm adjacent, because, I mean, first off, you don't drive your good car on dirt roads if you don't have to. But you definitely don't back it into a, a plowed field, because you're going to be worried about losing it in that field. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar, but a, a well-plowed field, that's kind of deep. It's really, really loose. And, I mean, any car I've owned, we would have been lost, especially with these rear-wheel contraptions. Yeah, for Re- sure. Rear-wheel drive, you know, you would have just been stuck. That would have been the end of it.
0: But yeah. these guys
1: are, you know, very bold, and they know exactly what they're going to do, and uh, this, this is their land.
0: Yeah, well, and you notice he doesn't sort of just hang two wheels into the field and try and get out. He, he backs all the way into it and then all the way out, and that, that may have been— Sort of his saving grace there, but or maybe you know maybe this is well compacted dirt because it is sort of the turnaround spot. But maybe we do sort of see it. We do see a um the back of a a directional sign that seems to be pointing down that road. It's mounted off to the side where the where the hatted gentleman is sort of coming to stand. We don't ever get to see what it says, but it I'm I'm gonna guess that it's like Buckwheat Junction. Is it yeah. three miles that way.
1: Well, at least it would be legible to the correct the drivers uh, heading northbound on the correct side of the road. Correct. It is. Unlike our other side. It's
0: facing the same direction as the bus stop sign on the other side of the road, which we determined was facing the wrong direction. So.
1: Which means that only northbound drivers get to know anything.
0: Right. They know where Buckwheat Junction is. They know where the bus stop is. They know what the bus stop is called.
1: Yeah. Anyway. What more do you need, right? Yes. Well, you know, it's a
0: a long, straight stretch of highway. You need something to read. (laughs) Yeah, so the the car does its three-point turn. It starts heading back the way it came um, while the man in the hat comes into full view, and he sort of steps towards the side of the road, but he's still across 41 from Thornhill. And he appears to be wearing a pretty nice suit, and it's it's brown. Um, He's wearing a hat that's a very wide-brimmed fedora that's kind of got some flop to it um it's definitely not a cowboy hat though right i mean
1: right but it's it's meant for you know standing at the bus stop it's a workman <laughs> sort of hat he's gonna be out here in the heat under the sun and he kind of needs to keep his cool i mean he's wearing a suit after all yeah
0: i mean it, it's it's definitely bigger than your standard sort of movie fedora it's got a big floppy brim but i don't know is that bigger than like a an indiana jones or an elliot Ness sort of fedora i don't think so it's
1: basically the same as, yeah. as indies it's just that indies is more battered yes and so it takes up less space most of the time his the brim is still fairly flat out and holding its shape it's got a lot of wobble to it but you know, when it settles it's holding itself as a, a, a sun visor for everything so yeah
0: I, I definitely sort of expected it to be a cowboy hat when this guy you know sort of Crawled out of this car that was driving through the uh, the fields, but I mean, it, it, he's just sort of looks like a businessman,
1: just waiting for the bus. So, yeah, just a country businessman, <laughs> just doing his country business. Yeah, we're not far enough south here for that to entail, you know, a fancy cowboy hat. No, so. yeah, that's probably true. So yeah, the the new arrival, he
0: walks closer, and we cut to Thornhill gives him a gives him a little bit of side eye. You know, he's sort of like, is this you, Kaplan? He, you know, he he doesn't seem to have noticed Thornhill. But there's definitely, like we said, there's no way that, that car coming up wouldn't have seen him unless they were deliberately ignoring him. Uh, he's the only thing out there. And they were driving right at him for like, I don't know, a quarter mile, maybe.
1: Well, I think it's mainly because uh, they weren't expecting someone and they really didn't care that there was someone.
0: <laughs> yeah. For, for a guy who comes and waits at this bus stop with any regularity it's probably not uncommon for someone to to be there also waiting for a bus right right although but it's
1: kind of weird for him to be on the wrong side of this road right there
0: probably aren't too many waiting at prairie stop to go south but
1: the 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 guy gets to the edge of the of the
0: road and he stops and he he sort of settles into maybe a more country version of thornhills like same waiting posture you know he sort of Adopts that wide stance, but instead of his hands going into his pockets, they seem to sort of settle at his belt loops.
1: Yeah, well, he's got his his fingers in the back edge of his pockets, and oh yeah, you know, has okay. his elbows back and his wrists all bent back. You know, he's really just hanging the weight of his arms and shoulders on his fingertips there. Yeah,
0: yeah, right. And he's sort of got his arms akimbo out to the sides a little bit, but he's got these dusty brown shoes that they might be cowboy boots, but I don't know it they they kind of have a little bit of loft and point to the toe but um it's hard to tell i, I think they might just be brown shoes so
1: yeah probably i mean most shoes kind of looked like that anyway that's true back then well most men's shoes today
0: you know brown leather shoes kind of look like that too so right and
1: leather shoes you definitely have to have you air on the side of them being too large yeah yeah, yeah. and that will give you that that look cuz they they've got no real heel yeah not enough to hook onto a stirrup, so
0: <laughs> yeah, this is definitely not his horse riding out, But, <laughs> but yeah, so he he's you know settles in at the side of the road and he, he looks south down Highway 41 and then back up in the other direction. And then he makes makes a little bit of eye contact with Thornhill. You know, we we cut back to Thornhill real quick and we see uh, we see Roger give him even a little more severe of a side eye and he shifts around like he's trying to get a better view of the guy. And then the camera shifts to it's a new new view for us right the camera is now sitting in the middle of highway 41 essentially maybe a little off to the to thornhill side thornhill's occupying fully the left side of the of the screen uh the the new guy is sort of occupying the the full right side of the screen and you've got the the dotted center line of the highway disappearing into the distance between them and th- this is maybe even a lower angle than before when we were seeing thornhill's pov shots so we i think it's definitely below shoulder height at this point we kind of have an upward
1: look at both right because the 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 horizon line is above the eye line ever so slightly yeah
0: it makes this area look even more open and desolate maybe than it was already we you know you can see the road and you can see the fence posts and their the fence posts and the telephone poles um are all sort of lined up in this you know series of of progressively Narrow or straight lines, and so the the men with the two road or the two men with the road between them are really the only signs of anything that we can see that is alive and active. Everything else is just open, and it almost feels like you can see a little curvature of the earth at this point, right?
1: Right. I think that's part of the thing. It's like you've got these, you know, two tall men, and they're standing on all that exists. Everything else curves away. Yeah.
0: And when they look right at each other, and they don't move, they don't speak. Not even a nod of acknowledgement, not even the like what's up head nod, you know? You don't get any of that. Yeah. So if this is Kaplan, he's he's not tipping his hand, you know? He's staying pretty tight-lipped. Trying to figure out maybe if that's Kaplan, he's trying to figure out is that Thornhill because he may have only ever seen his picture in the paper like you've said. So but the new guy seems satisfied and he turns his attention back to the south and he looks kind of in the direction of the camera and then the minute ends.
1: Well, there's you get another shot back at Thornhill well, just right as our minute ends. And I like to imagine that he's just about to take placeable foot out onto the road to walk across. Could be, could be that. Something, you know, progress. I was just 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 a little bit, it'd be so good. He's
0: about to to yell out Oi you <laughs> That's exactly what I'm expecting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. I I may have been watching too much Gavin and Stacy lately. Yeah, it happens. But um, yeah, that's sort of where we end. I mean, those of us who have seen the rest of the movie know that, you know, this is also another gag that's not going to pay off. This is not Kaplan, because there is no Kaplan. So we know that either the rest of the movie is going to be Thornhill standing here on the side of the road watching things come by, thinking they might be Kaplan, or there's going to be some very famous action scene coming up that, that, uh, well, you know,
1: he, you know, he thinks that this has got to be Kaplan. It's got to be, you know, I've, I've been fooled so many times already. This has to be it. Look, it's a guy. Kaplan's a guy, right? This must be the guy. Must be. I think he's just, he's so tense now. That, you know, his, his actual deductive reasoning has gone out the window, so. Yeah, he's, the the
0: shot back we do get to Thornhill right at the very last, you know, half second of this uh, minute doesn't, it doesn't betray, you know, he, he, he's not sinking again, thinking, oh, that's definitely not him. He's, he's still got some hopes that it might be Kaplan, so. I don't know. I, I do wish him luck in his hunt for Kaplan, but. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out. It's not going
1: to turn out well, yeah. no.
0: All right, so just one more, just one question for you that's going to kind of take us outside of the conceit of the movies by minute because I want to talk about our master criminal, the international spy, I don't know what you call him, uh, Philip Van Damme. You know, knowing what you know about the plot that he set up for Thornhill here, and some of the previous schemes he's used to get rid of him. And also some of the previous detective work he's done to figure out who he is. Uh, what, what do you think about his capabilities as a, a master criminal?
1: Well, uh, they're mixed at best. <laughs> yeah. He seems to have lots of resources and uh, has yeah. lots of uh, will to uh, put them into play. But... He's kind of an idiot. Yeah. He couldn't figure out that uh, Thornhill was actually Thornhill. That's the easy part to check. When he claims who he actually is, just check that. Uh, You could find out that, oh, we just picked the wrong guy. This isn't Kaplan, whoever Kaplan may actually be, because they don't know who Kaplan is. They obviously don't. Otherwise, they would realize they were chasing a ghost.
0: Yeah, and... You know, even if you get to the point where you're like, okay, we've made a mistake. This really isn't Kaplan. We've got to off this Thornhill guy. Right. Okay, great.
1: You should have been able to do that.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a very elaborate scheme to force feed somebody a, a fifth of liquor and then strap them behind the seat of a car or
1: behind the wheel of a car. Right. I mean, didn't they basically just kind of borrow somebody important's house? I mean... It's like stealing a house, except you're just going to leave and no one will realize it later. But that, that was messed up. I I couldn't believe that they went through all that trouble. I think you're right about the
0: massive resources he's got to be able to, you know, send a guy out into the middle of nowhere and on super short notice. And, you know, unless he's just got a crop duster on staff, (laughs) (laughs) like, Hey, uh, today. Hey boss, where am I flying today? Uh, you know, prairie stop again, again. Okay. Well, you know, and that's just their thing. They send guys on the bus out to prairie stop and send a,
1: a crop duster with some machine guns attached after them. It's, well, f- well, think about it. There's, there's, I don't think it's machine guns on the crop duster. I think there's two people in the crop duster and one of them has like, you know, a Tommy gun or something. Yeah. Something
0: you're probably right. It's,
1: so it's that probably means, not
0: your stop with camel and whatnot. No, yeah.
1: no. It, it means that, that, his people possess at least one Tommy gun, Mm -hmm. which they could have used to shoot Thornhill way (laughs) earlier in this movie. Right. (laughs) I mean, oops, who thought, I mean, it it just didn't fit his character. He just didn't want to do that. Uh, It wasn't sporting. I don't, I don't know. He doesn't ever actually give an excuse. Means he's supposed to be some kind of gentleman spy, even though he, he knows that he's a villain. Yeah. He knows he's a villain. I mean he behaves like it and he seems to be happy about it. The more I
0: think about him the the more I think he, you know, there's I don't want to say criticism but it, it's clear some of the ties between the the pattern that uh, Hitchcock has developed here for his you know, his cross-country journey spy adventure type thing with what will come later with some 007 movies but there are some pretty cockamamie villains in those movies too who Overshare and develop these elaborate traps, and like I'm going to strap you to a, a a table and slowly shoot a laser towards your groin, and then just wander out of the room while that happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm guessing that that's pretty much what Hollywood could figure out. And then, <laughs> hey, look, it's a formula. It worked once. Let's just keep riding that horse. So,
0: I know Hitchcock has made. Th- Specifically, parts of this movie that are more deliberately uh, absurd, and you know some of his other movies as well, because it's. I think we've talked about it several times about the cinematic language of things matter more than like, does this make sense? You know, is is this entertaining to watch?
1: You know, that's, that's true, and and it works here, you know, plenty fine because you oh know, yeah. it's a Hitchcock film. It's not a you know, a Bond series film where we're gonna keep doing the same ridiculous thing every time to get Bond out of danger. You know, it's just by sheer attention on the villain's part. Whereas here it's, you know, this is just a groove and we're going with Great. it.
0: That's it, Van Dam. We we applaud your efforts and we think they're amusing, if not effective. Exactly. All right, well, I um I really think that's about it for this minute. I, you know, I I hate to, to leave you guys who've been with us for the past two weeks, just sitting here wondering like what's going to happen next. But I mean, that's, that's sort of how, (laughs) sort of how this gig works. We got, we got a minute. That's it.
1: Do we even know who's going to talk about what happened next?
0: Um, I'm sure I could find it in an email somewhere, but I, I don't know that it's changed. It may have changed since the, original thing but yeah give me a second I'll, I'll take a look
1: that's not probably really all that interesting anyway so unless you know you, you know who it is and and you've listened to everything else that they've done oh man it's those jerks from the rocketeer minute oh god not
0: those guys no it's, <laughs> um it, i mean it, it is the rocketeer minute guys but it's uh, so that's probably not gonna change i don't think that the rocketeer minute team has backed out of this project um yeah they're they're up next so. I mean, it does seem a little suspicious that maybe they got the got the the minutes that they did.
1: Well, you know, I guess they they would pick them for certain things. It would be in their wheelhouse.
0: (sighs) It's all right. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not going to worry too much about it. I I wish they already
1: took the Rocketeer. Come (laughs) on, man. Yeah, well, we
0: would have had to get on this movie by Minute Horse uh, several years earlier to. To claim that one away from them. But, you know, we could sort of do a um a Rocketeer minute with some other theme. I'm sure they would be fine with that. You know, we <laughs> where we talk about how much we hate it, which would be hard because I don't think either of us hates that movie. It'd be really hard to do. Yeah. It is sort of prime Jennifer Connolly and it's a great movie. So Yeah, that if it was
1: even without Jennifer, it would have been a fantastic movie. But Agreed. oh my God. So
0: well, uh, you know, we can only talk about Rocketeer Minute <laughs> for so long on here on Hitchcock Minute. Yep. Yeah, if, if that's all you've got, I think this being our last minute here, we really want to reiterate again the Movies by Minute. You know, if this, if you somehow stum- stumbled upon this podcast without knowing about the whole phenomenon of Movies by Minutes podcasts, ooh, that, I hope my DSer is going to catch those. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it, there is a, a wonderful website out there that catalogs all these movies of this type it's called movies by minutes.com. And Oh man, I've totally lost count of how many movies there are over there, but you know, odds are if, if there's a movie that you like that someone has probably done a movies by minute podcast, there's several hundred of them. And you know, there's more than several hundred movies. I, I, I understand that, but, but yeah, there's, there's a, a good, a good chunk of, your big popular movies, we've got, you know, Star Wars, we've got Indiana Jones, we've got Aliens, we've got uh, Big Trouble in Little China, we've got Buckaroo Banzai, which those last two examples were probably not, you know, the most mass, most mass market ones, but... They're
1: very cult.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, there, there's all, all kinds over there, so go check out the movies by minutes. By There's the Rocketeer Minute, which, mm, you know, here we good. are talking about those guys
1: again. Yeah, well... It's not my fault that those guys are doing one of my favorite movies, but eh, whatever.
0: Yeah. There's something out there for you, so go check it out. If you've got, you know, 93 hours to dedicate to listening to a podcast, <laughs> you could go do that. Because what else are you doing, right? Exactly. Wow, this is probably the most rambling. Can you tell guys that we don't want to leave? We, we want to podcast about Minute 70
1: forever. I don't think that's it. I think we just want to move on to 71 and beyond. Well, right. But that's, yes.
0: We, we, just, don't want to, we just don't want to hang up. Right. No, you, you hang up. You no, you hang, hang up. up. Yeah. No, you <laughs> hang up. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> now that we've thoroughly ruined the promo for Movies by Minutes, um, I'll say that you can find the Hitchcock Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play or on the main site, hitchcockminute.com. You can connect with us and any of the other movies by minutes hosts and probably some other fans too on social media at the man on Washington's nose on Facebook. That's a group. Go join it, and on Twitter at Hitchcock Minute. Sorry, at Hitchcock Minute. That's how you do Twitter, right? Just say I it all, so. together. Yeah, it's always at. So, yeah, so join someone else for minute seventy-one of North by Northwest Monday on the Hitchcock Minute. Hill, wherever you are,